And now the matador will dance with the blind shoemaker. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's not even Jean Girard's best. His best is. By the way, I watched a Highlander movie. It sucks. <laughs> so good. No, I'm a, I'm a simple guy. I like the um. If you don't chew big red, then fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> that just, it just gets me every yeah, time. I think my favorite line from the movie was just "I'm I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew," and I, I, just because I drank so just much. Because it's a Dew. little kid. I just related to that. Because you can get jacked up. <laughs> You're like I'm that kid. I feel that. My one of my life's mottos comes from when Ricky won driving backwards and they were interviewing in victory lane and they said, you know, that's really dangerous, man. You're not going to live forever. And he said, well, with my high level of income and today's advances in modern medicine, 250, 300 is not out of the question. <laughs> so. So I'd live by that. <laughs> yeah. Two, 250, 300 is not a question. Fuck. What kind of life to live at 275 even? This is, you know, cut it right in the middle. It's too late, Eric. I've ruined the whole thing. Do we need to start all the way over? No, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's go back. All right. Let's just restart. Oh, shit. I've already ruined it. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So how does thinking you're going to live to 275 change the way you live in your life? That's an easy question to answer, uh, and that might get answered later on in the cast. But I think uh, mentally how I treat my physical body is different over the last month than it's ever been due to the injury and things to my shoulder and... Do I want to continue doing disc golf or not? So I don't know if that answered the question or not. I don't remember the question. I think it was like, how are you going to push to 275? How oh. does that impact your life? Okay, here's... So we completely missed that part. <laughs> First of all, I have so much money. That's all that matters. I could just keep buying time. I saw a movie where you could buy time. Like you could wear a watch and it told how much time you had. Yeah. That kind of thing's going on. I just don't tell my friends about it. I think, yeah. I agree. So I have the watch. I can see it. It's not an Apple watch. It's like a time watch. It is. It's time like the herb. It's a time T-H-Y-M-E. It's a time like every other watch. <laughs> it just measures time. It's a very interesting stream of consciousness that's happening in this cold open. <laughs> I don't even think Eric's still there. Eric, he's still Eric, there. did you just hang up? <laughs> no, I'm just uh, thinking about how this isn't even a cold open because this topic is hot. <laughs> I don't even know what we're talking about. Uh, half the talking? time, we don't. I think we started <laughs> off the it. last episode with, what are we talking about? The last episode you were talking about, you could send in your discs and you guys would wipe them clean and, get yeah, and send out. Blank dad. And so I did that. I, I wiped a disc and created one just today. My first Halo Wraith. With our like our tags group logo on it, the handyman. None of our listeners can see it, so if you guys I've been could see telling it, telling Kyle for 
at least a year now that he can wipe all of the stamps off he wants, but he doesn't listen to me. <laughs> it's nail polish remover. It com- literally, I accidentally went too far on one of the I things. Know, it, I, it, it comes off in me, one second. It doesn't work perfectly. It's just not, I don't know. No, I don't know. It's fine. Everybody can't do it, Eric. <laughs> That's why we need each other. Everybody, If everybody could do the same thing, so we'd all, half of us be unnecessary. You know, consciousness. <laughs> All right, my first question for you is: Who is your twenty seventh favorite FPO player? My twenty seventh favorite what? FPO, FPO player. I just want the twenty seventh. I don't need any before that or after. Just who's twenty seventh? Time um, second. It. Yeah, it's a lot of players. I want to pick somebody like uh, Jessica Weiss or. Yeah, I'll just go with Jessica Weiss. Okay. I don't have anything against her. I just don't think about her a whole lot. <laughs> 27th worth. Uh, yeah, because you have to think and of a four? name that you don't even barely know. You can make is... up a name. Sarah Allen. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's that's my pick. I pick Sarah Allen all as right. well. Yeah, so. I feel like I could go through the FPO list and get all the way down to 27th before I'd see a name I don't. You're amazing. You Both of you guys know no. that stuff. Well, he does better than I do. I'm bad at names. People's names I know. Professionals' names. All of the above. All right. It's not my podcast. I'll stop asking questions until later. <laughs> you can't whenever you I like being asked questions. I have so many questions. I should probably introduce... Oh, yeah, we should probably introduce... All right, here we go. I'm Kyle. I'm Eric. We've been trying to do that annoying, just terrible... <laughs> This is Will. This is my Hi. dad. Hi, son. And hello. My... Hi, dad. Hi. Hi, my son out there in Michigan that haven't met yet in real life. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> Love you too, dad. I'm so <laughs> starstruck, my man. Soccer game. I'm sweating. My palms are sweating because I'm on your, you guys' podcast. You're so, you're huge. So, what is this, 60? 68? 67. 67. 67. Wow, dude. We're so, we were so close to 70 on for 69. <laughs> somebody, there'll be somebody better for you, for sure. Um, 67's great. It is. Because you just executed Order 66. We did. Feeling kind of Star Wars-y right now, so... Yeah. 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 All right. You know, just so, just so we're aware... The 27th ranked FPO player in the world right now is Deanne Carey. So I don't know number 28, but then I know number 29 through 32, 33. Okay. Count it. So there's some names up there. So even though Kyle and I chose the same player, Sarah Allen, you win because you actually did the (laughs) research. I'll go Allen, Sarah. Hmm. Alan's a guy's name. Uh, don't tell me. Don't, don't tell people how to have names. Real quick, I'm just going to ask one of my questions. I want to know what was your most expensive oh no moment? Did you lose like four Halo race in the same round, or did your car? No, I I know mine. What's yours? <laughs> I left a small stack of discs on the back of my car and drove into town. Oh, no. I found all discs except for my Roaming Thunder 2, which is probably the most expensive disc of the stack. How did you find them? Did people call you? One guy find them all? or 
No, I I lost only two off the off of the stack. The <laughs> other three were sitting on on the trunk still when I got to the client's house. And so the truth fell not even I don't think it even made it out of my driveway before it fell off. Was it an Emac truth? I have no idea. He only the where the Emacs. roaming thunder went to. All right, so he gave me all of his regular truths. All you throw is Emac truths. You gave Kyle all the other ones. Yeah, yep, only Emac truths. But Emac has different plastics, right? There's Lucid, and there's, or is it just the Lucid? What what plastics are Emacs? It's all. They're all the plastics. I only throw. I only have one Emac truth in my bag, and that is my old Lucid one. I'm not a big mid range thrower. I'm more of a. It's in putter or fairways. You throw like 14 speeds right. and putters. Yeah, yes, exactly. You got <laughs> the it. The hell with all that mid crap. <laughs> <laughs> Your mids are like anything between four and 11. I don't want to throw any of that. So, yeah. So you throw your Emac tr- Lucid Truth like for almost every upshot everywhere. No, I most upshots are probably zones. Zone. I play in like a completely different environment than you. All of, most of my holes are like under 500 feet. So jealous. There's like maybe. Well, most of ours are holes. under 500 feet too. They're just open. Oh, we need trees here. So yeah, bad. no, we just have like tight fairways and or like the holes that are like a little bit longer that are like pushing 350 even are like two shot holes regardless. So there's no like there's barely any like getting to the basket on the first shot. I love that so much. I'm not leaving Colorado, but that sounds heavenly for me. I need to play golf, disc golf, as opposed to bomber golf, which is most of Colorado. Michigan's not bad to visit. Yeah, yeah just uh, pick pick like uh, September-ish, because if not, you might get either really hot or really freezing. So Yep. Yeah. yeah I did a lot, a lot, a lot of years in Alabama and... Uh, Humidity and mosquitoes and grossness, and then I don't want anything to do with the Michigan winter. I've seen all of your posts. They look pretty gross. Uh, fun, but... Quote-unquote fun. Yeah, and there's definitely quotes around that word, fun. Yeah. Because that's what we do every time we play. Kyle and I have to ask each other a lot, are we having fun? Remember, you're having fun. Like, this is fun. It's very important. I'm pretty good at having fun regardless of where I'm at, so... Yeah, you have to. I don't let it get to me too much. Throwing frisbees. Yeah. It could be so much worse. All the time. You could I always, After a long winter, though, and it's finally warm out, I always forget what plastic feels like in the warmth. Wow. And how, like, pliable it is. Like true. Like, star plastic and stuff. It's always so stiff in the winter, like, and then... Yeah, I noticed that yesterday because we teed off and it was freezing. And then on the eighth hole, it was so hot. The discs were just folding in half. So, you know, that's one of the things we have out here is summer on the front nine, winter on the back nine, summer again before the back nine's over. Uh, It's So we don't have long periods where I'm just cold. It's going to get hot here within a few days, no matter when it is. You're going to be out in the snow. And getting so hot and sunburned that you need, like, goggles and an umbrella to keep the sun off of you. And it's, it's brutal. It's dude. a fucking crazy, like, so hot desert bright. snow. <laughs> it, 
Made no sense. I don't deal with anything like that. When it rains here, you don't get wet. It's a dry rain, I promise you. <laughs> That's not true. It doesn't even but... make sense. <laughs> it is a dry rain. Think about how dry the snow is. It's so dry. You don't get wet when it's snowing here. It's not like you go outside and That's get wet. That's true. It actually, when it does snow, you don't get as wet as in Michigan. Or Be- wet. Your feet get wet. But, like, as the snow, like, hits you and, like, it, you typically... It bounces off. It doesn't yeah. really get you wet. That's just what That's you said. why I actually prefer to play in snow over rain. Ooh. Well, it only rains here like four days a year, so that's not really a choice we not have last to year. Make. Well, that was a freak year for sure. I mean, yeah. What is a freak? We've year been now? having a freak year for snow rain. Right. I don't know. The first year we lived here, it rained about four or five days. Second year, it was less than two weeks. Then last year, it rained for for three like months. Three it was months. ridiculous. It was gross. The entire. But this year, it's rained one day, and it's in the middle of May. It's, <laughs> it's rained like one day it's in like twenty twenty two. Like right. three days ago, so uh, it's not raining anymore. It didn't rain at all. It o- will not rain till December. Now that'll be it. No rain this year. We've had nothing but like fire warning shit already. Now here's the best thing, Eric. This year, a calm day where everybody's let's hurry up and go play is when the winds ten to fifteen miles an hour. That's a calm day for us for the last ninety days. Every day it's blown over forty. That's what it felt like for a little bit here at Leagues in Cass City. Is like every day that Leagues came around on Thursdays, it was windy, and the rest of the weeks would be, or the rest of the days would be just fine. Wish, yeah, yeah, it's tough. We did it today. Every every day we play Leagues. Literally, what we've done <laughs> is for the last three months, no Mandos anywhere, no OB, basically. You know, just try to get by the basket and see what happens. And have fun. <laughs> Quotations around yeah. fun. Yeah. Still counts. No, it's so much fun. All right, so your most expensive one, though, is only just a loss of two discs, though, right? It's not too bad. We're just going to skip. Yeah, that's pretty expensive. It was just one disc, but I the haven't disc lost was a $50, $50 disc yet. And I definitely want another one, but I'm not going to buy myself one. I'm just going to... What exactly was it again? Six plus months. Roaming Thunder. It's a CD2 by Discmania. Like a tour series or whatever from them. Flight numbers. Turn it into a what? flight numbers on it? Oh, nine, five, negative one, two. Okay. Yeah, that can be a... I have replacements for it. I have a couple CD2s and I have... Now the uh, new Dynasty from Infinite, which is supposed to be like the replacement for a CD2. But all right, here's a since we're talking about this in your hand, and I'm sure you've answered this before, but for me, you're on a desert island. You only got three discs for the rest of your life. Ooh, I haven't answered your question yet, though. Oh, sorry, sorry. I lost uh, Ezra Aderhold. Nuke. Nuke. That was what last week. No. No. That was like quite a while ago. You lost another one? No, that was quite a while ago. Oh, <laughs> that suck. Yeah, uh, I. We have a whole episode about it. I was really bummed out about it because I I had only thrown it like that round. <laughs> didn't have a, <laughs> didn't have round? a number on it. Oh. <laughs> like idiot. That's what I do. That's why I can't nice things. 
Why can't we have nice things, Kyle? But that was all the way back in April of last year. Okay. So he's my numbers guy. <laughs> we were playing together then every single day. You know about so it. I, I, don't, I told what, you about was it. Was that a purple nuke? What color was that nuke? Uh, the one you have now is pink, like bright pink, isn't it? Yeah, I have a couple of them. Oh, um, fancy. Yeah, I got this year's and last year's. But I don't remember what the color was because I honestly just tried to like pretend that it didn't happen. Yeah. I think a nuke is probably faster than I'll ever be able to throw Me too. ever. I have two of them in the back. <laughs> That's like we've that, had that the sounds like Eric. It. He has a bunch of fourteen speeds and a couple putters. We've or, had the win for it. Emac true. My, my one of those nukes, I push straight. Like because you can throw a thirteen speed. It was a forty-five mile an hour headwind. You just have to throw it in that, so that doesn't count. You it have counts. To, you have to throw it. It does count. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is, it's a condition. I don't know. It's if you, the wind's that. Ex- Heavy, you need to throw the all-weather G-Star Wraith. So you can throw it in, in that weather, in the wind. All if it's weather. raining, you can throw it. If it's sunny, you can throw it. If the wind's behind you, it's all-weather Wraith. And I think that's what you should throw in that instead of the... All-weather. Oh, does Eric have an all-weather G-Star anything? No, I, ha- oh, I have one G-Line, but what is that? that comes in and out of the bag depending on the course. That's what the problem is. Because you have yeah, all, you have all that actually, weather up there. You need an all-weather raid. We need to send him Recently on. broken down my bag to simplify it quite a bit. Ooh, let's talk about it. How many do you have? How many discs do you have? Uh, I don't even know offhand, but I got rid of all of my distance drivers except for one for four hands. What is it? PD2. Okay. I got rid of all of my nine speeds except for one firebird and one cd2 is a pd2 like a destroyer um yeah it'd be like one of the more overstable destroyers but it's probably more similar to like an xcal or a force okay although i bought mine like already pretty beat in so it's like really easy to get like max distance on a forehand for me nice all right so you have that you have the firebird another nine speed then what a plethora of FDs, an Emac Truth, a Quake, a Cobra, and then my putting putters, or putters, I guess. I don't just have putting putters. Oh, zones. One zone, two zones, and three, two putters and a putting putter. No. two thro- One throwing putter and two putting putters. That didn't sound simple at all, man. <laughs> you need to simplify more, bud. There was a high-speed driver. There was two nine-speeds. There was the plethora of FDs, Emac Truth. I think it's three FDs right now. Which is appropriate. That's still a ton of, a lot of stuff for a condensed bag. Dude, I gotta fill my bag. It's a big bag. You can't just walk <laughs> around with it empty. <laughs> yeah, that's how I used to think. That's why I have a torn shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, for for example, what I used to carry is three DDXs, a Grace... Okay. A PD2, three Firebirds, two CD2s, three FDs, a Leopard, Dang. a Quake, an Emac Truth. It's like 15 drivers. Two put, two throwing putters, two putting putters, and two zones. Okay. So. All right. I mean, that's filling the bag for sure. It's a lot of speed. Oh, yeah. One thing I want to get to. Yeah. We, we should get to the actual episode. <laughs> 
<laughs> is this the cold open still? Yeah, this is cold open. Okay. Technically. Like we haven't heard the theme song yet? No, that happens at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know how this stuff works. It's so fancy. No worries. I think if Eric was here, I'd be sweating. I'd be more nervous. Yeah, Eric is a scary guy. No, he's not. I look like an axe murderer. Sort of. Uh, cross between like a college Dude, professor and an axe murderer. Can we see him? Can we pull him up on the... Do you look on my phone or something? Yeah, it'd be way better. You know, It's like I'm talking to my son. I can't even see what I look like. He's like I mean... I'm ugly. He's uh, is he ugly? Do you remember the handicap system or like what? What, what we were talking about? Well, yeah, like what? Oh, I tried to bring it up on the podcast like three weeks ago, <clears> and <throat> it went horribly because I don't know enough about it. But we don't know enough about golf. Okay, so this is how basically how the golf handicap system works, so that anybody can play against anybody anywhere. This is what's different, and we can't do it the same way in disc golf, but we can do a miniature version of this, which I'll describe at the end of talking about the ball golf way. So on any given golf course, there's going to be at least red tees, white tees, and blue tees, okay? So you have, like, usually the ladies and seniors will play from the red tees. Uh, Most people play from the white tees, and then the pros and all of the people that should be playing the white tees that think they're good go back and play the back tees, blue tees. And then on like some of the long courses, there's even like black tees way back. And it just makes the holes way, way longer. So what they do is the USGA, United States Golf Association, takes, they go and play the course from all the tees. And they're pros that are playing it. And what they average over that then becomes a rating for that set of tees at that golf course. And so like par, let's call it 72. That'll be 18 holes times four. That's normally what a a ball golf course par is. The par that makes up the 72 is usually 10 par fours. There's eight holes left and four of those are par threes and par, four of them are par fives. So it averages out to 18 par fours. If the pro shoots five under from the red tees, then the rating of the red tees of that course is going to be 67. If they're shooting even par from the white tees, that rating will be 72. If they're shooting like one or two over from the back tees, then the rating might be 74. Okay, so, and then all of the courses get rated. So wherever you go, uh, based on what your handicap is, you look at what tees you're going to play that day and it'll tell you what that rating is versus what your handicap is. And then there's a chart on the wall. And you find out what your handicap is for those tees. So that way you can play against. So it's pretty intense. And getting a handicap means signing up for a men's club at a golf course or a country club. And it's like, you know, 35 bucks a year or something. It's nothing. And you then post your scores after you play. So you'll go into the computer and you'll log in. Hey, here's what I shot today. Here's what I shot from this tee. Here's what I shot from that tee or whatever. And the way the handicap system works at that point is it'll take your last 20 rounds, no matter where you played, because it's all been rated already. And of your last 20 rounds, it'll take the 10 best of them. And then basically average that. 
It's actually 96% of that, but we don't need to talk about it. It's the 10 best of your last 20. And then whatever that average is, that's what your handicap is. So it might be three over par, let's say. And so if I go play another course tomorrow, if the course rating is 69 from the red tees, but the par is 72, then I'm a three handicap. So basically I should be able to shoot 72 because the rating's 69. It's saying it's easier than par, basically. And so it, it works right. out to where you can play against other people that might be a one handicap and you could be an 18 handicap. And it's going to say, hey, you're going to get 18 shots on this course. Is that too confusing or did that answer anything? Nope. I pretty much understand it. Okay. For the most part. Um, so, but you're saying that every golf course that's in the ground has been, been played by... I'm not saying every course. If the course has a, a USGA rating... Then yes, the USGA, the United States Golf Association, has sent people to play those courses. That's their job is to play all the new all the courses in a certain town or state or whatever. And yeah, they're all getting played so that they can get rated. Okay. So if I open up a golf course, do I have to have it like USGA? You want to? You want rated it rated or you want it rated so that people right. can come play your course and it counts towards their rating, their handicap every time they're there, every uh -huh. round. And then you have when you have your tournaments there, you have ratings, so you're able to have proper handicap tournaments because every single right. club in the world is playing handicap golf. There's nobody playing scratch golf except the tour pros, the mini tour pros, and then guys like us that maybe shoot the same. We're going to go play against each other for 10 bucks or whatever without handicaps, but right. you're not playing any tournament on mm -hmm. Saturday at the club. That's scratch ever. So, so even like when it's just like a four person, what is it called? Scramble or whatever. Yeah. That still has like a, yeah. Oh, oh for yeah. sure. They're handicapped. I know nothing well. about golf other than I lose more balls than I could even <laughs> afford. So <laughs> There's, it's so hard. It is well. So anyway, my dad's a big golfer, and so I told him I want to go golfing with him this year, and I'm just going to buy as many balls as I could lose. <laughs> and every time I think I hit a bad one, right? I'm just going to drop it at like my last spot, hit it again, and keep going. Uh, we we play that way too. There's a lot of times where if we just come up on, I play that way frisbee golf right now. There's courses I'm not going to play. And when we come up on the hole, I'm like, give me a seven, par plus four. I'm go. I'll see you on the next tee. I'm not throwing my halo plastic into that lake. Just not. Don't care. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. That exact scenario. Back to the handicap for just a minute so we can kind of finish up this topic. <laughs> For sure, yeah. So we took. Tell me how we need to transition that to golf. So, so we did a couple because... practice rounds with it. A couple of guys that we play with, me and yeah, Kyle, and from fake Garrett. golf to real golf is what you meant. So, so what we did was, if we play a course that we've all played a bunch, then we'll just take our our last ten scores, take the top five, not the bad ones. So your best five of the last ten, and then just average that out. So if you, let's just say you averaged two under and I averaged two over, then when we play now this handicap match, I get four shots from you. So at the end of the match, if you shoot 50 and I shoot 50, you know, three, I'm winning because right. you got to give me four. So we did that a few times and it came down nobody has ever won by more than like one or two shots the handicap has literally equaled the field 
And you can't, like I get a lot of strokes, but I have to play a career round to even just tie Kyle, who just shoots his normal couple under. And so it makes you play really good uh, if you're going to win. So it's been kind of fun doing it. If we play somewhere where we haven't played enough to get five scores, then what we do is we just take, we really just need to take the last five played anywhere. Or what we tried to do was we had an easy course we took the last five, a medium course that we took, and a really hard course that we all played. And then took all those together and divided it by 15. And it still came out almost exactly the same handicap as how many strokes we were getting just taking the last. And on UDIS, all you do, you can look at your last five or your last 20. So if you just hit last 20, you can see your last, you know, what your average is of your last five or 10. And then you just play that that day, that handicap. And so it's made it, we haven't implemented it with our whole group. But the guys that have the number one and two and three tag, I'm never taking that tag if I have to play them straight up because they throw it 450 feet. I, I know. Right. Kyle doesn't, but he throws it right by the damn basket every time. So you're going to have to shoot six under to beat him. So it's you got you got to be good. So I'm, I'm not disagreeing that there could be a handicap system. I just don't know that it needs to be like set by the pdga or whatever or by a different different thing like each club or each um leagues could do it differently based on on what they play like so the problem with with using udisc is most of my friends and people who come out to thursday night leagues don't use udisc except for leagues like i don't even know if they have other than like their double scores, I don't know if they would. So we'd have to do like three rounds or five rounds to even get them a a handicap, like at the beginning of the year or whatever. I think it's just up to the club to do it because there's no regulation of golf courses in any way. So uh, disc golf a, courses or right. disc golf because you said golf courses. The, well, I'm, that's what I mean. It's disc golf because that's what I. I know, play now. I know, I'm so but sorry. Like, we have to differentiate because we're talking. Here's about my problem, Eric. Every every course in Colorado, every hole under 500 feet is a par three. It's not fair, because a par three in ball golf suggests that you can hit the green in one shot, and then you have a birdie opportunity from the green. And even if we call the green in disc golf circle two, 66 feet away. A 485-foot hole means I still have to throw it 420 feet, and I'm never going to be able to do that. How can it be a par 3? That's my question. My thought is, why can't we, like, regulate it in the same way that they do theirs, then? If you're saying that, like, they send people out to go play the courses, why why can't we do that, too? I think we can. And I, I think if you look at ball golf courses, with exception of the tour guys... It's the same. Uh, any hole up to 250 yards is a par three. If from 251 to 470 yards is a par four. And then from 471 up is a par five. That's it. It's not. There's nothing. It doesn't matter if it's curvy, if there's trees, if it's a lake. If this hole's 248 yards, it's a par three every time. Unless it's like your grandfather's, you know, you know, little neighborhood course that calls it a par four but it's not so you're saying they need to make it 
like the par is very just set in stone. You know, at a certain feet, it just goes to the next one. They have guidance so the way, from the PDGA. Yeah, so, but they it's five five 550 feet. Over 550 feet can be a par four if there's nothing in the way. Not can, because you can change your own thing, but that's like the PDGA, PDGA guide rules is 550 for a par four. Right, so how many people do you know that throw at 550? Now, I'm not talking about... I'm talking about people you have played with that aren't on tour. Oh, people I have? Well, I know a couple of people who have been on tour that can throw at 550, but they don't tour right now. Not the tour guys. And any normal human. Well, he's not a tour guy. He got. He just got actually kicked out of... of, uh, of uh, What's it called? Okay, well, if he's if been kicked out of something, then he's not a tour guy. So yeah. you're right. So one College guy nationals. you know? No, I guess yeah, if we're counting like the guys that I know that I don't really like spend time with. There's one guy that I spend time with that can throw a 550. Okay. Easy. That's pretty awesome, right, to watch. Can he have fun, though? <laughs> yeah, he has fun. Um, here's a better he's question. Like, he's one of those guys who is like always in like a decently good mood, but it's like unnerving sometimes. I hope he doesn't listen. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> He's it's like he's like it's sorry to like, annoy you with my friendship. So something something goes horribly wrong and he's still just like smiling about it. And I'm like Like oh shit. Is he gonna kill me? Yeah, he's gonna is kill he, you. Is this the time he snaps? Alright, here's my here's no, a better really question, Eric. If if we're gonna hit the green in one and have a birdie putt, and let's call sixty six feet, circle two, we're gonna hit circle two. What distance should the hole be to be par three? Where you can, where you think that a normal person, because normal people play golf, in a par three, they can hit it 250 yards. And so it's realistic for a normal player, that's a great shot for them, but they can do it. So wh- what about the normal player? What's the normal player? How far can they throw it? 300? I'm saying 450. Easy, just easy 450. Um not because I don't think the average player can throw 390. Right. I'm saying more because I think half of MA3 can can like approach that 400 foot number. Gotcha. And I think then they can't putt though. Like I think there's a lot of MA3 players in my area that can throw it super far, but then they don't have the rest of their okay, game. Okay, so I'll have 100% and, agree with you and say 450 is the number. And that's what it should be. And we have a lot of courses yeah. here that have 485-foot par threes. Back to back to back to back to back. And so yeah. it makes it real hard to make pars. Much but less I can birdies. also I – mean, I also say I enjoy I enjoy the like mental part of the game where you have to be happy with getting like your three on a longer hole. Like I feel like that's such a hard thing for a lot of people to do on those long holes and like keeping that – that mentality, you know, like you just, you, you're coming off a, a birdie streak and you're coming to a hole. You basically know you're not going to birdie, but you still have to keep that like high moment in your head to get to the next, you know, the next moment when you can, can make that. I enjoy that part of the game. Yeah, me too. And I think the key is then playing courses that allow that to happen. That after your bomber hole, you have holes that you can make birdie. We just have courses here that I can't make birdies on like 16 of the holes. <laughs> They're so long. Every one of them is over 350, you know. So you got to throw it perfect to make birdie. 
every time. It's just a couple courses. Some of them are shorter. No, there are some. That's what I'm saying. It's me, I think, choosing tournament courses that where I can play golf and not try to play against my friends that show throw it for eighty. I can't compete. This, well, this is all coming back to like also there's no handicap, you know, the handicap system. Right. Yeah, like why? How, how does the handicap system help you in that situation? It gives you strokes on that course, right? Well, yeah, I think if I went and played you at West Creek, where you averaged six shots better than me. And we, you gave me six shots, and then we went out and played our normal rounds. We tie, so you'd have to play better than your average, and I'd have to play better than my average to win. Which and is what? It which is. I'll never beat you straight up. Never, I've never have. And we played 150 rounds, so I think that's the only way. And it's it doesn't matter. Too bad for me. I should be, go play MA four, but I don't. I it's I'm not talking about tournaments. I'm talking about playing with my right. just my friends every day of the week and never being able to beat them because yeah. they're so long. <laughs> so long. Everybody's getting so long, dude. <laughs> so, He's just gonna start breaking all my friends' legs. <laughs> I know kung fu. Um. So yeah, the thing we do at leagues to get away from from needing a handicap is we just do random doubles mm. and that you know that gives Upset everybody a, people, a chance right? to get kind of paired up with like the the best shooter there or whatever and it even like it pushes people who so like last week we had a local like mpo player he's not he's good he's he's really good but he's not like you know like lights out where he can beat anybody no problem and then he got teamed up with Nate and two other teams kind of rose to the occasion and there was it was really close where after they got paired up everyone's like, Yeah, you can basically give them their money and they still won, but it was still only it was two strokes in between first, second, and then third. So Wow. That's good. So it makes it's the only way I plus got we have a lot of kids. The second like number or number two tag in the group that we're in is with dubs oh. so, I still have it I wonder how you took the tag from our bomber dudes man we got guys that are like you know high 900 rated players in our group that they have to be like to have the flu if we're gonna win or we have to play dubs yeah. and somebody has to like hand over Sneak one of out. them you know <laughs> and I've just yeah, been defending yeah, I, get, I get it like I said I think definitely in singles there has to be like in a singles league, there has to be some sort of either divisions like based based groups or or a handicap, or else you're just gonna wear out the people who so, show up and know they're not gonna yes win. Yes to a league one. How do you take it to? Do you think it would be worth it to even try for like a, you know, the PDGA? Well, I mean, we could talk to some of the guys we know that are affiliated. Um, and see what kind of chain it has to go. The problem is that since our disc golf courses aren't fairly marked, which is just everything is a par three on every course. It's like a ridiculous. So you can't really have a rating of the course. And the way disc golf ratings go, it's how you're playing against another guy that day. It's not against the course ever because the course isn't rated. You're playing against other people. That's how the ratings work. So I'm not sure how you're going to take that up the chain until courses get regulated. You know, 
and that the par fours are par fours, whether you're a bomber or not. If so it's four to eighty-five, it should be a par be four. Pro handicap, you have to be pro course regulation. No, yeah, in a, in a sense that it's fair, like Eric just said, four fifty. No, like seriously, I'm, that, so I'm let's just call propo- four fifty a par like four, what, and let's call happen. you know let's call seven fifty a par five, uh, or eight hundred, whatever you want to call it, and. Yeah, then I think you have a better way to now rate a course and go, hey, this course is a par 59 now. And if you shoot 59, you know, basically that's a 900 rated round or whatever based off the tournaments that happen there. And then you can say, okay, well, if that's 900 rated, you know, one over is going to be, you know, 890 and two over is going to be 870. So you know what kind of rounds you're shooting during your practice rounds or your league rounds. And then you can start handicapping it because people would have a rating like, hey, I played this course six times and I shot at 870 and 910 at 840. So I'm at 860 at this course. For sure. And I'm legitimately just trying to think of like ways to improve the game. It's like, I don't know. Again, we're, we're still in our infancy in, in terms of the uh, game, I would say. Or like, you know, we're, we're getting there. But it's still, you know, our shit's not regulated for sure. <laughs> I think the only way really to Eric is that the best players are going to have to agree to it because they're not going to be able to just walk away with the low tags every week anymore. And they want more of a challenge to push them to play better than the handicap. There's a great way to do that too, because you got to be scared of the guy you're giving eight shots to. Because if he has a hot round, he's taking your tag, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. I mean, you have to play well. Right. Which is the goal. You want people to play uh, like I sometimes I'm just like, fuck it, you know, like give me a bo- give me a bogey. Like it doesn't matter. Should sure. should still matter. It should. I think it uh, also That's just my laziness, though. So. Alright, so how long hat were you ball golfing for approximately? Ooh. Uh, I started ball golfing in nineteen ninety three. I was twenty six years old playing a lot of Nintendo golf, shooting like 18 under. I'm like, we got to go try this. So me and my buddy went to this little par three course, rented a nine iron, a putter, and put a couple balls. I shanked my first shot straight right into an apartment complex, into some cars. I then went to get it, not knowing golf etiquette. I'm on the first tee. The ninth green was in between me and the Apartment complex, so I walk right over the ninth green while guys are playing the ninth hole, hitting to the green. So they're just yelling at me. I'm like, hey. And uh, as I'm going to get my ball, I just knew I was called to be a golf pro. I'm like, I'm going to be a golf pro. This is it. Like, this is like I had one shot sideways and knew. And so I just started playing three or four days a week and I uh, became a pro three years later. Uh, I got a job at a country club as assistant pro and an instructor. Did that for about. 12 years and then became a custom club fitter and club builder. And, you know, I played all of the tournaments, the pro tournaments we could play. I was in Southern California for a lot of that. And then I was in uh, Birmingham, Alabama for a lot of that. And uh, so I was part of the PGA for 20 years. Um, Whoa. And I left to, uh, to teach guitar for a living, which is a lot more fun. Got a bunch of tattoos, grew my hair <laughs> out long and, uh, yeah, so ball golf was a 93 and kind of stopped doing that in 2013, uh, you know, as a, for a living, just 
kind of played here and there. So 20 years-ish? 20 years. as a golf pro. So then when did you pick up disc golf? In August of 2020, so the end of the first COVID summer, uh, my buddy had bought like a starter set for him and a starter set for his wife. You know, like the really terrible plastic. It was, I think it was a ruby, a pearl, and a, uh, I don't know, some other diamond, super understable. Sapphire. Set, yeah. So he he bought these discs for him and his wife. He took her to play. He took her to play at Bailey Disc Golf Course, which is probably truly one of the hardest disc golf courses you can play. And they had never played disc golf ever. The first hole, you have to <laughs> hike up a mountain for 15 minutes to the tee box and then throw back off the mountain, hike all the way back down and back up the other side where the basket is. And so she's like, after the first round, she's, she didn't play the whole round. She basically said, I hate this. I'm never doing it again. Give those discs away to somebody. And so he came to me and he said, hey, I have some free brand new discs. If you want them, you just have to go play with me. And uh, I said, sure, dude. Uh, and then I didn't do anything for months. And he kept bugging me. I'm like, I don't even know what he's talking about. Let's just go, whatever. So we went over to this little park, Stonegate, by our house. He's like, there's a basket and there's trees. We throw it into him. And uh, by the second hole, I was fully addicted. And uh, it was on. So that was August 31st, 2020. It was the first time I threw a Frisbee. A couple times in September with my wife, just because I wanted her to see it. But it was like November of 2020 when I started playing and buying plastic and playing every day. Okay, so there was like seven years in between your golf career and your now new disc golf career. Long time. Is there anything that you brought from disc or from golf ball golf into disc golf that you think has made you a better player, or is there no translation at all to it? Besides being a dick. <laughs> yeah, the pretentiousness <laughs> that I learned in being no, a ball golf. That, pro. Like, dude, you were like. Uh, if you're going to let a person go by, $5 has to be it every <laughs> single time. Uh, we call time on people with, you know, like oh, yeah. all the little things. So here's the first thing I brought over from ball golf. I was a club pro for 15 years. That means I sat in a pro shop a lot of the time. In the winter, when it was 10 degrees outside, I'd pull some carts out for the crazy people that were going to come play in the 10 degrees. I'd put some range balls up for them. Uh, and then I'd sit in this freezing pro shop all day. And I would just read the rules of golf. And the little paper rules book that the normal golfer has in their bag, it's like 100 pages. It's a lot of rules. Mm -hmm. But the the big rule book is uh, about three inches thick and about six inches by three inches. And so it's all the intricate breakdowns of the rules. And I would just read that for years. I said, I love reading rules and learning them. And so when I started disc golfing, I got the rule book. It's like three pages. <laughs> yeah. It's more than that, but it's like, you know, 15 pages yeah. or whatever. Compared to the golf book rule book, it's tiny. And so I just read through all the rules. And so I wanted all the guys we play with to know the rules. We used to read them before we would play on Sunday mornings. We'd call it church. And so church, I'd read like the, we'd pick a rule and we just read through it and learn stuff. Um, and so when any time singles would try to play through us they'd come up and we'll hey can i play through and we say yeah five bucks and they'd laugh and then we say each 
you know, we said we take Venmo, Cash App, Zelle, you know, and so everybody kind of got involved. It wasn't just me doing it. Anytime people come up, it was five bucks to go through. Um, and then they, we just call a foot fault on them, like on the tee shot. And somebody else would second it because that's what we do. Just so everybody would just call rules on everybody and second it. And we're like, first time's a warning. And so it's just, so I did bring the rules guy over from ball golf. I think the thing that was missing the most was that when I started disc golfing, because I was a PGA golf instructor for 20 years, I just wanted to get lessons. So I did it right. And there was no opportunity for that. I went on Facebook locally and people said, yeah, here's two guys. And they listed this local guy who's a tournament player and Scott Stokely. So I don't know who either one of the people are. So I look him up. Scott Stokely's not Denver. Like I need a pro I can go get in front of and take lessons from, and they can say, hey, "Here's what your foot needs to do, and here's what your arm needs to do," and compare me to the tour players. And there was none of it. And so I learned how to play, but by what I thought was happening on video, watching the tour players, and it wasn't. And uh, I ended up tearing my shoulder after one year of throwing. As hard as I could with my right arm. Probably less than that that you, know, you tore it. Just just putting it out there. I was fine until I started playing with Kyle and these guys <laughs> that threw it 450 feet. And I'm like, I don't care if I'm 54. <laughs> I'm going to throw it 450 feet. And I threw some, dude. I threw a couple 450 feet. And then there. this one time, yeah, my arm just went pop. And I'm like, that wasn't good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so... In taking the teaching all the years of ball golf, uh, when I had to stop playing right-handed because I was hurt, I couldn't stop playing. And I'm like, you know what? The right-handed golf swing is exactly the left-handed back, backhand. And so I just went, oh, yeah. to, went to the park and just started throwing left-hand backhand from 100 feet and then 150 feet and then 200 feet and uh, started throwing left-handed. And the video of the form... It's 10 million times better than anything I've ever thrown right-handed. And I'd say within six or seven weeks, I was throwing at 300 feet left-handed uh, with my drivers. And it took me a year to throw 300 feet right-handed the wrong way. And so I think the key factor that's missing in the world right now of disc golf is great instruction. We have instructors, that's great, but great instruction isn't available in any kind of wide scale availability. And so that's what I did for the last seven years of my ball golf teaching career was I worked for a great company called golf tech based here out of Denver. It's all high tech video motion sensors, how much your shoulders are turning, how much they're bent over and tilted all the degrees of your hip motions. And we've tested all the tour players We've got their averages so we can have a, a student come in and put this little sensor on them and compare their motions to the tour players and go, hey, you're not turning your hips enough or too much or whatever. And that's what we need in disc golf is for someone to go, let's take the perfect throws or let's take the best player in your league and put you side by side with them and say, hey, here's what they're doing versus what you're doing. Draw lines on here's what your head's doing or here's why you're dumping it in the ground and the things that are going to really help beginners be able to throw without just having to have natural talent or doing it wrong and tearing their arms out. Uh, so, you know, I have a 
goal of a few years from now to be able to teach and bring that kind of teaching that I did for all those years in golf to disc golf. Uh, the problem is I have to be good enough to call myself a professional if I'm going to teach as a professional, which means I need to be playing MPO level disc golf. And for a guy that throws it 340 max, it's going to be really hard to compete in any MPO, you know, if the courses are all 500 foot par threes. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I feel like in disc golf, maybe, maybe it's, I don't know. I don't feel like even in golf, you have to be able to compete in order to watch what a pro's doing oh, yeah. and help. That's true. You're right. In ball golf, you don't. But you also need like the technology that you need in go- like, you know, how you, how they have the sensors. Like sure. you can't just, I mean, you can watch, but it's a whole lot harder to explain it when you don't have video or right numbers to back up what you're saying sure and so i'll be able to the software i was using before uh, i can take a video of you making a swing i can put it up next to paul Macbeth or whoever and throughout the swing we can draw lines on the screen that give us hey 45 degrees of hip turn or 90 degrees of shoulder turn or whatever that is right and how those numbers move through so what first needs to happen is i need to throw better (laughs) but during this time over the next year or so it's going to be me with the software doing the study and getting all the numbers of the tour guys and then being able to put anybody up against it and you don't even have to be in denver i mean it could be instagram send me a video i need the camera in this angle or this angle and then we can put it side by side with whoever we need to and say hey your footwork is planting open (laughs) as opposed to closed right. and there's little things that people can't see on their own. You're right. You have to have video and to be able to do, compare it with good players, then it's video. That's not just you suggesting. It's like, this is what all the good players are doing. You've got to be doing that if we want to yeah. do it, you know? So it's out there. It's going to happen. Other people are going to do it soon because disc golf is getting huge. I think as soon as ESPN probably starts covering it, so much more money will come into the sport so much more sponsorship's going to change and get really serious. You're not going to be able to walk away from your sponsorship and go somewhere else easily, more than likely, because uh, it's going to be a lot of millions of dollars going into disc golf right. and the courses and the players and the the shoes and the logos and all the you know stuff that goes with it. And Gatorade and Budweiser and Cheetos and free podcasts. And- that's right. And Fig Newtons. Fig Newtons. <laughs> That's what we need. All the flavored Fig Newtons. In throwing with your left hand, how is your score different now compared to your, oh, your right okay. hand? Okay, so when I went to just left-handed, my score went down probably 12 Next. shots per course. So whatever I was normally uh-huh. shooting was 12 shots higher. Because I had to learn how to throw left-handed, and I had to learn how to throw turnovers, and had to learn disc golf again. So now, I sh- today I shot my first under par round in since December today, and I throw no turnovers. It wasn't left handed. I throw left handed and right handed. So I throw both hands, and if I need to throw a right to left shot, I throw a right handed hyzer. And if I need to throw a left handed shot, I throw a left handed hyzer. And depending on the upshot, whichever way is safest to come into the basket, I'll throw it right or left handed. So I think it's going to be a better score than ever before because I'm back to close to par 
with no distance at all yet. So I think once we get the distance back, because I can throw in maybe 280 right now with both hands, maybe 300 sometimes, but once I can get it 350 with both hands, he, it's going to be fun. So so you just like frick forehands? I'm just... No forehands. Just all backhand hyzers. This way or this way, depending on the hole. I never have to throw a turnover. There's no understable disc in my bag. That's a lie. I have a Roadrunner, but the only other disc that has a minus in my bag is a Wraith. That's a minus one three, and it's not understable. So I just throw yeah. hyzers. It's exciting. No annies. No flicks. <laughs> I don't know. I like my forehand. I understand. Dude. It's okay. But if you hurt yourself... Do you, do you approach with your forehand at all? My upshots, if I need to throw a little tree shot straight at the basket, yeah, then I'll I'll flick like a Malta or a Toro or something right at it. But I love trying to make shots left and right-handed from inside 100 feet. So I'm always trying to make that shot backhanded because I can just snap it at it. And it's as good as my forehand, really. Um, but I'm not that good to start with, so it's not that... That hard. I just feel like it's so easy to hit a gap with the forehand than it is back. You're standing there looking right at it. You're not moving your body yeah. around. I totally agree with you. Depends on the gap. I think the reason why I haven't thrown <laughs> the reason why I haven't thrown a flicks is because of the injury. It hurts. And when I was sure. when I was started yeah. over left handed, my flick was really really gross. So I'm not even going to work on a left handed flick. I do have a really good left handed scuba though. That I'm pretty confident with, so tons of practice on that. Yeah, important <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The forehand lefty was pretty rough. That's hard though. I know. I yeah, it was pretty gross. What you got, E Money? So you kind of touched on it a little bit, but was there anything extremely hard about teaching yourself how to throw with your offhand? Like, what was, like, the hardest thing to overcome, I guess? When I started the process of left hand, I did it in my living room. I have hardwood floors and then have some rugs. So I had a great line to walk up between the rug and the floor. And so I just worked footwork first because my footwork has been so bad right-handed since the beginning. It's the reason I played as bad as I did. Weight was on my heels. I was always throwing annies and dumping it. And so I learned how to basically just walk up this carpet left-handed and keep the disc in place as I was walking by it. Um, I knew, you know, when the right-handed golf swing, the lower body starts the driving, the upper body follows it, the hands and arms come through. And so it was pretty natural motion for me to slow motion it. So I just did slow motion in the living room for maybe one week. And then I did what I never wanted to do. What everyone's told me to do is I took a bag of 17 putters and I went to the park and I practiced from 100 feet and 150 feet and played with nothing but putters for a whole month. Everything I threw everywhere, all the rounds I played was with a throwing putter and a putting putter. Um, The entire month. Huh? Nothing but putters, huh? Well... I probably added a couple mids in, but I definitely didn't throw anything over a four-speed or five-speed. Okay, I'm lying. I exaggerate so much. <sighs> All of my practice, Eric, though, is with putters, I promise. I don't hey. practice with anything but putters. I'm just trying to throw hyzers. That's it. 
<laughs> I just can't let you lie. If you ask my oldest son, he'll say you can take basically ten percent of whatever I said is true. Right there. I believe you. Don't worry. No, you're good. It's just you know you you had some drivers in there from time to time. Not that one month. <laughs> yes, you did. I did not. I didn't. I just don't remember. So then you you talked about the uh, time when you got hooked on disc golf. Yes. What was it about disc golf that you're just like, I found my spot. This is this is what I'm meant to play. I would say the fact that we were in a COVID world in the isolation. This was a way to first of all play golf for free which was never a thing except unless you're a pro. Like I played free for a lot of years. And when I stopped being a pro, I had to start playing, paying to play again. It's very difficult. (laughs) And, you know, I was playing really nice country clubs and like PGA West and these $250 around courses all the time. And now paying, I'm playing like the $25 crap, you know, courses in town because I'm not paying $90 to play golf. (laughs) So, (laughs) I mean, for $90, I could buy like four brand new Halo discs and probably, you know, a six pack of beer for 90 bucks. I think we could do it. So I'm not playing one round of golf for that. And this was free. And when I discovered U-Disc and pulled it up and there's, if you pull up Denver, it's black, the screen. It's not like a couple baskets. And so it was like, Let's see how many of these free courses we can go play. And it was 65 the first year, trying to get to 100 this year. I think I'm up to like 77 so far. But um, it's a super fun thing my wife and I can do on Saturday. What course have we not played yet? Drive over to some school and play it because you can't do it during the week. You know, everybody's there. And it's been this exciting thing. Uh, What was the question again? (laughs) What kept you around? Like, what, what were you just like, yes. Okay, so... What keeps me around is that I've fallen in love with the 12 best friends I've probably ever had in my life and watching how the guys interact with each other and help somebody move or get somebody a job or give somebody a ride or just go play disc golf because nobody wants to play by themselves. And it's a community that's even if I can't play anymore, I'll be out caddying or walking around with this group of guys. So it's a, it's been a, a miracle blessing, you know, to have. And, you know, and it's funny because I'm 54 and every one of, just about every one of the guys I play with is 28 or 29. There's a couple 40s, but <laughs> they're all basically my son's age. And so they all call me dad. So they're all my sons. And uh, it's great when my wife gets to meet them, they'll be like, mom. <laughs> She's like, no, I don't think so. She's like, no. <laughs> don't even. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. No, but it's just, that's why I'm in it. I love playing. Um, I love the art of learning the swing and studying it so I can teach it and trying it myself. Uh, it's It's been so great doing it left-handed. I promise you I don't have any natural born talent for this. So everything I'm doing is worked for and if I can learn how to throw left-handed 300 feet in six weeks, then all of you can. So if, most people won't spend the time to do it. But if you hurt yourself right-handed and you're like, I still got to get out, then take it as a time to make the shot. Because the fact that I never have to throw another turnover, 
makes my bag smaller than yours. You heard it here first, guys. Tear your shoulder. <laughs> so you have to throw left-handed. I'm sorry. Right now. Um, go. And go. I did not say that. Um, <laughs> and, you know, one of the great things uh, after the MRI and the visits and people looking at it and talking about it is basically they said, yeah, there's a little tear in your shoulder. We don't need to do anything about it. We're going to strengthen everything else around it. And then you're going to be 100% in like eight weeks. And my brain immediately went, okay, well, I'm not hurt then. Because I was in agony for three months, all night at night and playing. And even if somebody like honked a horn and it jarred me, it would hurt for so bad. And and they're like, nothing's wrong with you. We're not doing anything. You just got to get stronger. My brain said, all right. Let's do it. We'll just do these exercises and get stronger. And and so I started throwing right-handed again, very gingerly. But I'm using my body because I'm scared to rip my arm. And so it's coming out of my hand with no flutter for the first time ever, a little bit of snap. And I think distance right. will come, you know, in six months of doing it. So just got to PT it, get the shoulder strong. Uh, yeah. yeah. So – was the shoulder tear the biggest oh no moment in disc golf or do you have another one that you can no I, I think i have one that's better there was a tournament that i was supposed to play and one of the guys in our group uh brady was playing in it and so we we drove out to uh adams hollow about an hour drive he drove i drove we met there we we spent a whole day doing a practice round picking discs for the bag picking lines we both drove home the next day. We each drove out there again, hour away and we had an eight o'clock tea time and we got to the parking lot and there was nobody in the parking lot really. So we had to walk, you have to walk like a quarter mile to the first tee. So we walk out to the first tee and we're like practice putting and like 15 minutes go by. There's not one person. And we're like, dude. So we look it up and the, the tournament was at another course, like, an hour and a half away <laughs> at a bird's nest. And so, so what had happened, dude? Here's what happened. <laughs> oh, no. Here's what happened. <laughs> On my phone, if you play a tournament in Colorado in the registration, say, two weeks from today at 8 p.m., you have to be at your computer because at 8.02 p.m., every spot's gone. 140 yeah. spots. So you have, so I have an alarm set on my phone and on my calendar it said, "Hey, Friday, Adams Hollow registration." And what I thought I saw was that the tournament was at Adams Hollow, <laughs> so that's why we went and did a practice round there on Thursday, and we drove out there Friday morning. And Brady just believed you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I took my buddy. He's been driving like he's ready to tear this course up, dude. We played it all day the day before. <laughs> we get there like the tournament is, so we have to call the tournament director. Because we're going to be an hour and a half past our tea time. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, come on. You could do it. So that was my biggest oh no, I think. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> going to the wrong course. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> um, Something's wrong here, guys. <laughs> yeah, we're so, there was nobody. Nobody was around. I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> Is it in the right spot? We're not the right course. Right. <laughs> the only other one I can think of. That like both of us are a part of. Oh, when we had that filmed round at Village Greens. 
And it was just like so shit golf. Uh, yeah. But, you know. You live and learn. <laughs> oh, yeah. You. We need to go back. The desert island. You only get three discs for the rest of your life. What are you taking currently? Jawbreaker Zone. Leopard. Kind of, CD2. What kind of leopard? Just like a, I don't know. I just have a star one that my buddy Nate gave me. Star Pass me that one. Because I've thrown his. Star Leopard. Yeah, that's star I mean, I've thrown his you. before, but he just gave me one. What is a CD2? Is that a putter? He throws a leopard. No, it's a driver. Fairway driver? Yeah, it's it's a, it's like a slightly understable Thunderbird. I don't know what would be like a step, a Savant maybe? Yeah, More that like would be the slightly the understable. Then the Valk after that. What is your, so you're putting with your zone? Yeah, Jawbreaker zone. Can putt with that all day. I like it. Kyle? Three discs the rest of your life. Emac Judge. Right. It feels like a warden. Yeah. <laughs> it's got no beat on it because it's <laughs> no so old. <laughs> All right. Emac Judge. You got one of your zones for sure. Which one? Yeah, the pink one. And then a Thunderbird, G Star Thunderbird. Thunderbird. G Star. Yeah, that's it. that's it. Don't need anything other than that. I'm taking a Pro Corvette, Star Corvette, and a Halo Strike. <laughs> <laughs> what do you need a shrike for? You don't have to throw turnovers. If I want to throw a flex line. Right. Shrike is the putter. Huge no. spikeizer. No, I think I would I think it's gonna be the handyman Halo Wraith. So it's not as beefy as the Garrett Gurthy. I think I want the Moab Do you know what a Moab is? Oh. Mother of all bombs. Yeah, that's what it is. It's a six five one five. Uh, that's my mid. Okay, I never knew what the numbers on it were, but and then I just started throwing the Toro. It's a Star Toro. You could putt with that, but I think the stabilizer, the Streamline stabilizer, it's a three, three and a half, zero three. Great throwing putter and putting putter in the wind. So I'm gonna go stabilizer, Moab, and a Wraith. Yeah. Even though you didn't ask me, I wanted to tell you what my three were. That's I was gonna ask you so. <laughs> You just we're on the same wavelength. Yeah, it's perfect. Um, dead air. Well, yeah. Uh, la, <laughs> la 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 la. There you go. Well, I, I I got an electric guitar here, but no amp. But let's see if this works. Oh. Ready? Hey. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> that's sick. That's it. That was free. Is that, yeah, get all fancy is that writing us off? That's it. Writing us off that's right there. That's, that's it. beautiful. Yeah, that's good. You have to pay if it gets longer than that. So that's it. Thanks for coming on, Dad. Well, it sounds like we have more to talk about, so you'll have to come on eventually again. Sweet. Maybe, maybe episode like hundred and one after like a, the next big one. I can come on the week after when you yeah. guys are calmed down a little bit. But maybe just like when we get bored of talking to each other. Uh, anytime, uh, I would love to be a, a part of it. You guys, uh, oh, here, let me tell you this. It was this kid fanboyed out all over Kyle in the parking lot the other day. So we've come off of the, around and we're in the parking lot, getting in the car. And somebody's like, hey, are you that oh no guy? 
And Kyle's like, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh my God. And I'm like, I got to leave because this is, you know, going to get too exciting. So I don't know if Kyle signed anything for him or, but he was pretty excited and because, uh, you guys are good, dude. You have some pretty funny, uh, stuff for people to listen to and your knowledge of the pros and discs and just stuff is, it's great. There's nobody else like you guys. So thanks for doing it. Thanks for letting me be on for a few minutes. Unfortunately, I just like annoy my friends that already knew me with, with like, hey, hey, listen to the podcast. Nobody's like, oh my God, it's the podcast guy. <laughs> no, it's happened. I'm just like, hey, it's guys, happened more than hey. once out here, too. And he's like, hey, do you want some stickers? I'm like, hell yeah. yeah. Kyle's like, five bucks. We take Zelle, Venmo, you should start doing it. You need to start. To, when we ask Absolutely. people if they want a sticker and they're like, oh, yes, yeah. and then say that's five bucks after you hand it to them. That's good. I've never even thought about that. And just tell them if they don't want to do five bucks, they could do one dollar a month in the Patreon. Yeah, that works. Well, it was nice chatting with you, Will. Thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Sweet. Peace, man. Thanks. And we'll catch you on the flip side.